0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of our footballing podcast series. As it stands, this is the third episode, and very much in the vein of our previous episodes, it's going to be a case of looking back and looking forward in the Premier League. I'm joined, as always, by my friend Connor, and Connor, as well as looking back and looking forward, we've got a couple of things uh, lined up for today's episode that will test our footballing opinions.
1: We do indeed. Uh, thank you for me back. It's it's great to be back for for episode three. Um, and if you don't mind, I'd like to start with one of these games here. I'd like to start with a game of drop, bench, start. Familiar? Oh, yes. I'm going to give you three footballers, and I'd like you to choose which footballer you'd start in your 11, which footballer you'd bench, and which footballer would be dropped altogether. I'm going to start with goalkeepers to, to kick us off today. Nick Pope, Jordan Pickford, Emiliano Martinez. Um, Don't think about it. No, I'm
0: not thinking about it. So I'd probably start Jordan Pickford. Okay. I'd bench Emiliano Martinez and I'd drop Nick Pope. Uh, to throw one back at you, Connor, I've got uh, well, strikers. One based on the strikers. Uh, Danny Ings, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Patrick Bramford. Drop bench
1: start. Oh, that's a horrendous first one. For me, I'm going to start Danny Ings. Um, I think somewhat overlooked in this England setup, um, scoring goals for fun at Southampton and has continued that form thus far into Aston Villa so I'm going to start Danny Ings potentially controversially I'm going to be benching Patrick Bamford love what he's doing for Leeds front man for them always a focal point always energetic and scores goals it's a tough one but I'll be dropping Calvert-Lewin I like him as a player I think he's very successful in scoring goals very similar to Patrick Bamford and I'm just going to edge it on on Bamford simple as that really yeah Yes, I'm going to throw one back at you again. We've got a few more to go through. <laughs> um, I'm going to go defenders. Okay. Soyanchu, Tyrone Mings, Joel Matip.
0: Well, right off the top of my head, I've got start Matip, bench Soyanchu, and drop Tyrone Mings. I think Joel Matip is quite an underrated Premier League player, actually.
1: Ooh. A hint to our other segment yes, for later yeah. on.
0: No spoilers, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, I think he's quite underrated for Liverpool. He's had a positive start to this season, I believe. And I, yeah, I think he's a good defender. I certainly think he's better than the other two mentioned. Um, I quite like Suyanchu, but again, we're gonna I've, we're gonna talk about him a bit later. But he does have the occasional game. He he can be an incredible defender. I thought he was one of the best players of the FA Cup final last year. But he does have games where he you know falters quite a bit or quite significantly, I should say. And Tyro Mings, I don't even think Thibaut Mings is the best defender for Villa.
1: Ooh, Conza.
0: Yeah, I was going to go. That's what you're thinking, right? Yeah, I yeah. think so.
1: Yeah, I'd, for once, I actually agree with you on a footballing <laughs> opinion. Uh, I think we've got two more. Yes. So one for you, Wilfred Zaha, Adama Traore, Harvey Barnes. Starting Harvey Barnes. Don't even have to to think about it. For me, of the three. Harvey Barnes is the only one who doesn't come into a discussion about whether they're under or overrated. He's got so much
0: potential as well.
1: Massively so. A high ceiling. He's thriving under Brendan Rodgers. I'm benching Adama Traore and I'm dropping Wilfred Zaha. For me, Adama Traore offers you a little bit more overall in your team. The pace, the power the strength that he has. Adama Traore has lots of strength, lots of power, lots of pace, but his finishing needs a lot of work. Whereas for Wilf- Wilfrid Zaha, seems to be a player who throws his toys out of the pram when it comes to, I should be doing better at my club. But for me, the stats just don't back him. So I'm starting Barnes, benching Traore, dropping Wilfrid Zaha. And finally, a midfield battle for you to, to dive into. Yuri Tielemans, Gundawan, and Jorginho.
0: This is tough because I rate
1: all three of them so highly. That's exactly I why rate I rate them so
0: highly. I think I'm going to start Jorginho, bench Tillemans, drop one. <sighs> that's tough to listen to. Do you really, it not agree? That's
1: tough to listen to. Do you not agree? Uh, Jorginho's getting dropped for me. Really? Yeah. Really? Absolute penalty merchant. <laughs> Come on. Passes sideways. Come on. And gets praised. you not see for the
0: passes it. he was making against uh, Palace?
1: Of course, but for me, what Gundawan brings that Manchester City midfield is that perfect balance between the defensive duties as well as offensively. Uri very much box to box, he in that, really in is. Best sense of the word, yeah. For me, Jorginho survives because he's got Kobachic, who's exactly like him. No one would talk about Jorginho as much if he wasn't scoring penalties okay, okay. every week. As uh, so us play the devil's
0: advocate. What about Jorginho for Italy at
1: Euros? Fair play, but if we're talking if we're talking Premier League, right? Okay, okay. We will begin to dive into last weekend's Premier League action. Uh, Ten games is always to look forward to. We will cover them all. Don't worry. I know you're itching to digest (laughs) West Ham's performance against. I I know a lot of
0: people will be keen to see our thoughts on Crystal Palace Brentford.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely the key one of the weekend. I'd like to start with a stat, if you don't mind. That's going to lean into our first game that we will discuss from the weekend. 49 Premier League games since 2016 have been won by a five-goal margin. Manchester City alone have contributed to 23 of those. Wow. 47%. And that was really prominent in the Manchester City display where it was very much business as usual.
0: Yeah, I found this game almost hard to talk about because it was just so one-sided. Norwich were not in it at all. I think if I'm being correct here, they've only registered one shot all game and it wasn't even on target.
1: Uh, yeah, Rashika with an effort over the bar.
0: Yeah, yeah. A City were just awesome. The f- kind of thing you've associated with, particularly Pep Guardiola City, like the-, the dramatic or the ruthless response to an otherwise disappointing result, like Spurs last week, they came out all guns blazing here, scored two goals in the opening 20 minutes, also had a goal ruled out uh, by VAR. It was just an awesome City performance that we've come to expect from such a dominant Team.
1: It was. It's a Manchester City performance that we've really come to expect against these so-called little sides at home. Manchester City dominant from the off really limit the play from the opposition too. You know, as you said, and harsh on Norwich, the own goal from Tim Krul very early on, set the tone for the game. Mm-hmm. But from then on, it was a case of of how many it really was. And yeah. Jack Grealish off the mark for Manchester City. Didn't know too much about it yeah. for his goal, but Business as usual, as you said, and the reaction to the Spurs' defeat was so heavy, unnecessary and very reactionary. You know, all of a sudden City didn't look as good as they were. Now, all of a sudden, they do look great. It's it's very much a game-by-game yeah. business and you're as good as your last game and yeah. City were, were world-class.
0: Yeah, no, they no, were really, really good as well. Uh, obviously, a uh, special mention, of course, you mentioned Grealish, but Gabriel Jesus as well. We spoke about him and how he must be frustrated in this strikerless system that Guardiola has implemented mm. on City. And he actually started in this strikerless formation but as a right winger. Yes. Essentially. And uh, yeah, he had a great game, got some good stats on him I believe.
1: Of course, which we will touch upon later. For Norwich, bottom of the table, no points, yet to score in the Premier League, eight conceded. Let's not let's try and separate Norwich as best as we can. Bournemouth in the Carabao Cup midweek, they scored six. Yes. Very much a different animal to to the Norwich that we've seen in the yeah. Premier League, but we cannot be reading too much into this Norwich side. They've had Liverpool at home, Man City away. This isn't a reflection of Daniel Farke's side. Yeah,
0: I mean, I was actually, despite the heavy defeats of Liverpool last week, I was praising what I saw hmm. from Norwich. For the first 25 minutes against Liverpool, they were really, really good. And as I said last week, the Liverpool goal came against the run of play. Um, it's just, yeah, they were just completely torn apart by City, offered nothing to the game. But I think they massively needed that result against Bournemouth midweek just to give themselves a little bit of confidence. They've got another incredible tough game against Leicester, I believe. Yes. Yeah, that's going to be another tough one. That Bournemouth result, as you said, will give them a massive boost and it came at the, at, at the right time for them.
1: A little bit of worry for Norwich fans, regardless <laughs> of the calibre of the team they're playing. It's the manner. You know, they started brilliantly against Liverpool. Liverpool got that first goal and you, you said it last week that you didn't want Norwich to crumble. And you were worried that they crumbled against Liverpool. They've conceded early to Manchester City and shipped five. Yeah. Is this something for you that you can see Daniel Fark worrying about down the line?
0: I mean, he might be worrying about it behind the scenes, but he'd never, he's, I mean, even when Norwich were relegated last season, he was always positive toward the very end Hmm. and um, never really gave that impression that Norwich were a side that crumbled under pressure. So I don't, I think on the surface, he'll seem calm and composed. He'll definitely have concerns with the amount of goals, because eight goals conceded for any team is a bit of a worry. And uh, yeah, so it will definitely be on his mind. As a manager, he'll be looking to improve his team, as all most man- all managers should, really.
1: From a dominant Manchester City display to a dominant London derby from Chelsea, you were very impressed, particularly with Reese James. Yes, I was. Uh,
0: Goal and assist. I think he exploited the uh, the weakness on Arsenal's left side, and... I was, I, I'm usually quite full of praise for Kieran Tierney. I was in spite of the Brentford result. I picked up one or two players from the Arsenal side that did not played well, and he was one of them. Hmm. But yeah, I, I don't know where he was against Chelsea. He just seemed all over the place. He
1: spent most of his game having to cover for Pablo Mari, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, but I mean, he's just so, both of them are so a position for Reece James' goal. It's a quality finish as well.
1: Yeah, we spoke about the animal that Chelsea were last week. Um, against Crystal Palace, and we we mentioned how they've still got Romelu Lukaku to come. We've seen the first game. The influence that Romelu Lukaku had in Arsenal's first goal is really prominent, and it's something that I will touch upon um, later on personally. But for Arsenal, 19th place, again, no goals in the Premier League thus far, two defeats. Does Mikel Arteta start to worry yet?
0: It's a weird one because, again, we're going to have to mention the cup midweek fixtures in terms of analysing where Arsenal are at the moment disappointing against Brentford, outclassed by Chelsea, mm. I think, especially in that first half. Again, they showed signs of a response as they did against Brentford, but it was almost too little too late. We've spoken about the acquisition of Martin Odegaard and how important that could be. Uh, and he, he made a decent impression against West the Cup, actually. Again, very similar to uh, what we said about Norwich, different animals. But still, I mean, to, to reply to a disappointing part of the season with a six-goal win is important for them. They just need to take the game to sides more, but they're unable to do that with the way that they're playing at the moment. Mm. And Martin Odegaard seems like that player that can do that. We spoke highly of his transfer last week.
1: Arteta's found himself under scrutiny, whether you want to put unfair or fair in front of that. He, he's come under fire after the first two games and it's, it's hard not to take the, the cup win in midweek into consideration, but to not let it cloud And judge how Arsenal have started.
0: Yeah, you don't want it to paper over the cracks, but you want that sort of result to give them the boost that they need to get over this slow start.
1: For Arteta, his 20th defeat as an Arsenal manager in his 60th game. Not a record looking back.
0: Yeah, one defeat every three games, which isn't really a, a type of record you'd associate with the manager of Arsenal.
1: From a poor North London side last week, to a positive one in Tottenham Hotspur. Nuno, the derby, back at Wolves. And he got the better of his outside.
0: Yes, he did. It was an interesting game. Uh, Again, I think Spurs allowed Wolves to play, much like they allowed City to play. But that almost works in their favour, didn't it? Hmm. Um, I think Wolves had, what, something like 25 shots? And I'm sure we'll talk about that. But from a Tottenham perspective, they can look at many positives. Uh, Two wins to start the season. Deli Alli getting on the score sheet. We've said it time and time again, and we will say it time and time again. It's a big season for him, and he's got to deliver. I think if he is to have a future at Tottenham Hotspur, hmm. um, and a positive start to Nuno, because obviously they had that major disappointment in the uh, European Conference League prior to the Wolves game. It, it's a positive response in that in that regard, and I think they can be happy with their start to
1: the season. For Tottenham, it's it's a different kind of win for those. It's that grinding out the nitty-gritty 1-0 win where you're just hanging on and have you got enough experience and composure to see games like this out, despite being peppered, you know, 25 shots for Wolves in the game. Tottenham have won ugly, and it's not something that we usually associate with a Tottenham Hotspur side.
0: I think that whole idea of winning ugly for Spurs started to come in in the Mourinho era. Um, but I think uh, Nuno is trying to implement more, I want to say positive football, mm. Um, but yes, they do have to win ugly. I don't. I think against Spurs are a side that are sort of incomplete. Obviously, you've got the whole Harry Kane thing. I think that, that I don't know whether or not they're looking for more signings in the market. Um, but they've also feel like a work in progress, and that's why it's even more positive that they've started off in such a way. Because it, regardless if they are a work in progress, they're still going out there and winning games. That that that's a big boost mm. to win games when you're not where your manager wants you to be yet. I'm sure Nuno will be looking at those two games and thinking, yeah, we've got two wins. Great win against a really good City team, title favourites. Or what are the title favourites anyway? And a good win against a really formidable Wolves team. He'll be looking to improve Spurs.
1: As to the Wolves, uh, we spoke on the first episode about the tough start that Wolves have. Leicester away Spurs at home and they host Manchester United on Sunday 16th place yet to score a goal we spoke about the the lack of chances that they created last year Bruno start to worry yet or are we still far too early
0: it's another team that are, it's difficult to analyze because you can look at the table yet yeah, again very similar to Arsenal very similar to Norwich two defeats on the bounce no goal scored and I think they played well against Spurs it's just finishing their Dama Traore. we say this time and time <laughs> again it's almost boring he just can't finish. He'd be a much more complete player if he could finish. I mean, he had Ganga on strings, for lack of a better saying, especially in that first half. He, he did so much right and but did the most
1: important thing wrong, mm. which is putting the ball in the back of the net. Give Wolves some credit. They have come good. A 4-0 win at Nottingham Forest midweek in the Cup, much like Arsenal, much like Norwich. It begins to show that Bruno's got somewhere to go here. It yeah. gives Wolves mm. a little bit of a A confidence boost going into the game against United. Almost
0: a common theme of these three games isn't it? Yeah,
1: there's a a team that are struggling to score Taking a detour away from analysing the Premier League fixtures from the previous weekend and moving into our second game of the episode of over and underrated very simple, very straightforward. I'll give you the name of a football player and without thinking I know you love to sit on the fence Mm -hmm. and you love to debate too often but First thing that comes to your head, I'd like you to decide whether this football player is overrated or underrated. The first player in question for you, John, I'm going to come in strong here, Adama Traore.
0: Overrated.
1: James Tarkovsky. Underrated. Bobby Firmino.
0: Underrated.
1: Yakubu. An old school striker for
0: you. Uh, Overrated.
1: And Kevin Nolan.
0: Oh, you, I, I know we have gone for that. You've gone for the juggler on that one. <laughs>
1: uh, overrated, actually. Oh, from a West Ham fan as well. Huge. Yeah, I didn't rate him in the last few seasons. Um, we also took to Instagram to ask followers for their opinions. If you don't follow us at all, it's at the AIS podcast on Instagram. We took to Instagram to ask you who you thought was the most overrated player to have played in the Premier League. You haven't seen these. I have. Some of these are horrendous and I cannot (laughs) wait. I cannot wait to hear your opinion on them. I'm going to go through the list and I'm going to give you the names of football players that our followers think are overrated. I'd like you to decide whether or not you agree with them. Okay. First one, heavily controversial, Sergio Aguero. No, he's not overrated. There we go. Declan Rice. Absolutely not. No, of course. West Ham biased. (laughs) Aidan Hazard.
0: No, he's not overrated.
1: Yaya Torre is overrated. Oh, yeah,
0: I agree with that. Thank you for sending that one out. I completely agree. Didier Drogba
1: is he overrated? No. that's what I'm asking you.
0: No, I don't think he is.
1: Raheem Sterling,
0: yes, overrated.
1: Joe Cole, are we talking in his prime? Joe Cole, no, not overrated. Gabriel Jesus.
0: Not overrated.
1: Ryan Giggs.
0: Not overrated. You think he is, don't you? Yes. Yeah, it's 13 titles, man, or whatever uh. it is. So, uh, we've had people come in with overrated suggestions. I'm now going to read you the underrated suggestions that have come in. Are you ready? I am. Okay. Uh, Dimitar Berbatov, underrated? Yeah, heavily. Yeah, you think yeah.
1: so? Yeah, I agree. Joe
0: uh, Joe Hart.
1: Underrated, yeah, yeah, really, really under the radar for me. Interesting, <laughs> Michael Carrick. That's a great shout. Out to Michael Carrick is heavily underrated by people to the point where so many people think he's underrated that he then just becomes rated. But as a footballer himself, yeah, for what he did for Manchester United, underrated. I'd put Darren Fletcher in understated, there, understated, you might say massively so, yes. <laughs> um, Mezzet Erzil. Underrated. I think the disrespect that Mesut Ozil has received during his whole career because of his final years at Arsenal, yes, what he brought to the game, massively underrated. But I do believe that Santi Gazzola was a better footballer than Mesut Ozil.
0: Okay, moving on quickly. Ali <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nostolzka?
1: Yeah, underrated. Juan Pan Oh, yes, underrated. Okay, Nanny. Nani? Oh, heavily underrated. He loves scoring against Arsenal. <laughs> uh, Sung Park? Massively so. Probably the most underrated player in Premier League history, Sung Park. Whoever sent that in, that's top marks. Oh, Gary Neville? As a player, yes. As a pundit, overrated. Gilberto? Oh, Gilberto Silva from the Arsenal Invincibles. Uh, because of the calibre of player, yes, I'm going to say underrated.
0: Finally, before we move on, I've got five players myself that I made up with. Uh, two separate lists I've made. I want you to guess what list they're in over or underrated. Uh, Wilfred Zaha, overall or underrated? Overrated, yeah, that's what I've put him. Uh, Ayoze Perez, I think he's underrated. I think he's overrated.
1: <sighs> okay, uh,
0: Aaron Ramsdale,
1: <laughs> underrated.
0: I've gone with overrated, he's
1: gone over. Um, yeah. I think Ramsdale uh what three or four relegations in his career obviously noticeable with Bournemouth and Sheffield United. Um two hundred and seventy six saves he's made over two seasons.
0: Yes. Yeah. Stick
1: him in a good side and I think he's underrated. <laughs> he has just moved to Arsenal as well. So <laughs> anyway. Yeah, we'll see it's
0: an interesting one. Uh Yuri Tillemans. Underrated. Yeah I put him in underrated. I think he's class. Best one of the best midfielders in the Prem, yeah,
1: I think. Not as good as yeah <laughs>
0: Oh, yes, as we made <laughs> earlier we top bench start, yes, of course. Uh, and Serge
1: Regulon. Underrated. Yeah, I've got underrated as well. Just. Tottenham is, fans, yeah. just. Let's go back to hopping into the games from last weekend in the Premier League. And I know that you are chomping at the bit to discuss West Ham versus Leicester. Oh, yes. Where do we even begin with that game?
0: Uh, well, from a West Ham perspective, they were awesome. And obviously the big talking point from that is Macaulay Antonio, now the record West Ham goal scorer uh in Premier League history. 49, 49 goals now after his brace. Yes. Decanio
1: was forty seven, I think.
0: Yep. Uh Mark Noble and Carlton Cole, not too far behind that. Yeah, and he had an awesome game as well. Uh, I think my thoughts on Antonio were perfectly summed up by Moyes in the post match press conference here. Decision making did let him down a couple of times, mm. but I think he improved on that massively in the second half and got two fantastic goals to cap off a, a memorable night for him.
1: It's interesting. We've we've spoken very highly in the previous two episodes about West Ham's desperation for more players into the team, especially with squad depth. But we, we spoke about it last week. There's not many players that get into this West Ham eleven at the moment that are available to West Ham. Mm. And actually, David Moyes is is starting to prove that the starting eleven is just all he needs. You were electric at the weekend.
0: Yeah, yeah, we were, but um. I've said this a couple of times in the episode now, but as a manager, you should always look to improve the team. And Moyes has made it known that he would only bring in players if they improve the team. It's a long old season for West Ham with uh, Europe and all that. Um, And there will be times where that form dips. And then that's when you need to rotate and get players in that can continue to make a mark for West Ham, even when the form isn't quite as emphatic as it is at the moment.
1: For Leicester blown away by a West Ham. Yeah, they were team. made
0: they were made to look very ordinary. I think the uh, uh just full of praise for Yuri Tillemans. I didn't, I think him and Wilford and Diddy really struggled. I think Sonachu was I think he was just blown away by Antonio. I think he did not handle him well at all. Jamie Vardy couldn't get into the game. It was yeah, Leicester were made
1: to look very ordinary on the day. Massively so we will touch on that red card. Came at a poor time for Leicester. Um, just before the half-time mark. I'm sure Brendan Rodgers got his team in yeah. at 1-0, down to 10 men. Red card changed the game for you? Yes, I think West Ham were well on top
0: with, with 11 v 11. I think what the red card did was it made it just that harder for Leicester to get themselves back in the game. As you said... 1-0 with 11 v 11. The red card sort of denied Leicester the opportunity to get back into the game.
1: From Leicester to Liverpool, they moved to third in the Premier League with a 2-0 win over struggling Burnley in the league. You were a massive fan and you want to speak highly of Harvey Elliott.
0: Yes, no, a massive fan of Harvey Elliott. What At 17, 18 years of age, rare Premier League start for him. Uh, came in and just almost like he fitted like a glove into that side, really. Like he's been playing Premier League for a few years now. Um, just did really, really well. I'm uh, also a big fan of Timiskas, the sort of Greek left-back sort of deputising in the absence of Andrew Robertson. Um, I thought he played very well as well. Uh, Liverpool just have quality all over the pitch and they have depth as well. They have players who can uh, cover in those positions. And I'm a big fan of Liverpool's squad this season. and think they can definitely finish up there and challenge for the title once again.
1: Struggle for Burnley so far this season. Um, just the one goal so far, two defeats. Uh, no goals in the Carabao Cup against Newcastle. They they go through on penalties, of course, which Sean Dyche would be delighted with. But Premier League wise, we're really starting to see this Burnley side struggle.
0: Yeah, I mean, they've always had to remain tight on funds and signings and everything, and it's just a case of how long can they do that before it catches up with them? I mean, saying that that they've apparently agreed a 15 million pound fee with Lyon for uh, Maxwell Cornet, yes, back, which is quite an burnley like signing, isn't mm. it? You wouldn't not necessarily the signing you expect them to make um whether that goes through and whether he pays off as a success remains to be seen but uh, yeah Burnley have had to be very tight-knitted club in terms of what they do off the field and it's just a case of are we going to see that catch up with them in terms of the other clubs who are allowed to be spend a bit more freely and invest.
1: and obviously we we know the qualities that that Liverpool have um you mentioned Simicas Really filling in for Andy Robertson brilliantly. Diogo Jota, two goals in two games now. The emergence of Harvey Elliott in the side. But just to touch back on Burnley, five losses in a row in the Premier League now for the first time. On top of last week's defeat, another one at home. I think they're 11 without a win at Turf Moor. Burnley have almost beginning to lose their identity.
0: Yeah, well, as a a hard-to-beat team, Yeah, yeah, certainly at
1: home, Burnley were rugged, tough to play against. I
0: I, I mean, it's a case of one of those where um, I think Burnley actually showed quite a bit more. It's not like they were outplayed by Liverpool. They definitely had their moments, particularly early in the game, where they threatened Liverpool. But uh, yeah, I think think the lack of quality uh, in that side is starting to show a little bit. I'm sort of with you. I can't really see Burnley staying above that line for much longer.
1: Halfway through the Premier League games now, we're going to cross the water from Liverpool to Everton. They faced a Leeds side who you know I'm very opinionated (laughs) about Leeds. So I'll um, I'll let you start with this one. Uh, A 2-2 draw, Everton's 70th 2-2 draw in the Premier League, the most of any other side. Wow. They love a draw. Wow. How did you see the game going?
0: Um, I think it's uh, two teams who have started off Playing entertaining football, as as you know, you know we know about Bielsa's philosophy at Leeds United. Uh, play out all-out attacking, well, not all-out attacking football, but play a very progressive style of football and uh, try to score as many goals and apparently try and concede as many goals as well. <laughs> um, again, yeah, it's uh, eight goals conceded or seven goals conceded actually in two games. Um, they have managed to pick up a point. I think they'll be disappointed not not picked up all three. I think the penalty is sloppy. Um, second goal, great finish from Damari Gray um, for for Everton. Um, And yeah, I think it's going to be... I I get your point. It's going to be a struggle for Leeds if they don't show up at the other end of the field. Because no matter how much entertaining football they play and how many great goals they scored, scored a cracker with Rafina. But yeah, they just need a balance. Hmm. And sometimes with Bielsa... I did did say towards the end of last season, they seem to have found that balance when they ensure their Premier League safety, but they just need to find it again. Otherwise, they will find themselves on the wrong end of results. And as, as a result of that, at the wrong end of the table.
1: Listen, it's a lead side that since the start of last season have been involved in games that have had 126 goals. We know the excitement that comes with Leeds. And one week, I will praise Leeds Again, this week, isn't it? I didn't praise Leeds after the United yeah. game. And,
0: and I think that's the point that you're trying to make. One week, they'll get it so right and we'll be full of praise for them. But there'll be one week where they'll get it so wrong and get battered and we'll have this conversation again. It's just the way that Bielsa's Leeds have operated in their first season back in the Premier League.
1: And credit to Bielsa this week. I'm starting to compliment Leeds. I'm not quite there <laughs> yet. It's, don't get too excited. You know They came from behind twice fell a goal down and fell 2-1 down. So to have pegged themselves back just goes to show that against the, the right side, the Bielsa tactic and the Bielsa management can work. Mm. But we've seen evidently when they pegged United back two weeks ago that if they continue on the front foot, they will get found out. I think yeah. Bielsa's lost a little bit of his nous. and so we've all started to, to suss Leeds United out potentially. Your player of the week this week, John, where is it coming from? Plenty of choices this week, it must be said.
0: Plenty of choices, and I was very hesitant to go with my final decision because I don't want to be seen as biased. But it is going to be Macaulay Antonio for my player of the week. Um, as I said, I think he tormented Leicester the whole game with his strength, his tenacity and his just general power. He scored two cracking goals and a big day for him. Top goal scorer in the Premier League for West Ham. So, perfect weekend for him. Player of the week, Macaulay Antonio for me.
1: Needs to take a couple more minutes to work on the celebrations. I'm not a big fan of the cardboard cutout of himself. I, I thought it was quite funny. Oh, of course you did, are a <laughs> West Ham fan. Um, conversely, I've gone Gabriel Jesus. Yeah. Um, we've spoken very highly of Pep Guardiola's decision to go without yes. uh, a number nine per se. And he mm-hmm. did go with Gabriel Jesus this week. Only deployed him out wide And you wondered whether that would be an isolated position for him. Let's not take anything away from Jesus with the opposition, that being Norwich. But the influence on the game that he had, the two assists, um, 86 touches, 92% pass accuracy, four crosses. And more importantly for me, the three key passes. He's really given Pep Guardiola a massive, massive headache. Um credit does need to go to the likes of Reese James. I thought he had a great game at the Emirates against yep. Arsenal. You know, you touched upon it, tore Arsenal apart and it, it was Torrid, a golden assist for the young man. Um also Bissouma from Brighton. I thought he yeah. really stepped up against Watford, got the assist for Nilmo Mopay as well, and started to really assure that Brighton midfield. Potter yeah. must absolutely love him.
0: Yeah. And United, a bit disappointing for them after the hammering of Leeds.
1: One one against Southampton at St Mary's. Uh thoughts on the game? Uh, Yeah, a different side of Manchester United that we didn't see against Leeds. A little bit like the Tottenham result. They sort of had to grind this one out a little bit. Fell behind slightly against a run of play with the own goal from Fred, but pegged themselves back with Greenwood absolutely brilliantly. It's a, a Manchester United side that upped the ante when they needed to and got the result that they wanted. But two things stood out for me on a Manchester United perspective to start with, and that's Anthony Martial. Played 59 minutes of the game and completed four passes. Two of them were successful. One of those was the kickoff. I'm really intrigued as to how a player like Martial is so isolated in what, for me, has to be a season where he has to step up. On the, on the other side, you've got Southampton. They've now dropped 42 points in winning positions against Manchester United in the Premier League. They just seem to be incapable of pushing themselves yeah. over the line. Yeah. But let's take nothing away from Manchester United. 27 games unbeaten now, away from home. One more will break the record set by Arsenal, who are level on 27 too. You know, it just, they just look good.
0: They look good. There, there was signs of a similar problem under Solskjaer's reign United. The low block. Southampton played a little bit deeper in the second half and United just couldn't quite open their way to a second winning goal. Um, And that's sort of a familiar territory for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and uh, his Man United team. But yeah, no, I agree with you. I think uh, they look good. Uh, Paul Pogba especially, great start for the season. First player in Premier League history to record five assists in the opening two game weeks. Yeah, I'm very impressed with him. Greenwood looks like it could be a, a big season for him as well. Um, I suspect this is a season where he'll be looking to implement himself as a regular starter, perhaps.
1: And we spoke about last week with Mason Greenwood, um, where we said he was the fifth highest scoring teenager in in the history of the Premier League. His goal against Southampton has now lifted him to the fourth highest goal scoring Premier League teenager. So a standout season for him too. For Southampton... Gotta give some credit and homage to the cup result against Newport last night where they beat them 8-0. Mm-hmm. Um Hassan Hooter will be delighted. The way win
0: in the club's history.
1: Exactly that. No, absolutely spot on. Southampton are always there or thereabouts. The 13th place that they're in now is gonna be not too dissimilar from where they finish. Yeah, I think
0: I think they'll just have enough of them to be okay. We were quite negative of them last week, particularly with holding leads, and again they've managed to surrender a lead once again. But I think there can be more positives taken from this and the cup victory than last week for sure
1: well much like Danny Ings we'll make the switch from Southampton and focus on Aston Villa <laughs> uh, you've pointed out as Danny Ings as somebody who really stood out for you again
0: uh, yeah it's just uh, a natural goal scorer and it's incredible the turnaround that he had since his tenure at Liverpool wasn't the greatest of success and you often see it where players make the step up and don't succeed then, and then make a the step back down and can't rediscover their form. Danny Inks has done that, and then some. It's no coincidence that he's been called up again to the England squad whilst at Southampton. That mm. just demonstrates how much progress he's made since that Liverpool disappointment. And he looks to kick off again in spectacular fashion with Aston Villa. They paid a lot of money for him. I think question marks were raised regarding his age and the transfer fee. But if he can keep scoring like this and the goals are the quality that he scored against Newcastle, then it's worth it.
1: Another defeat for Newcastle after the disappointment against West Ham game week one. Six conceded, no points.
0: Yeah, I mean, Steve Bruce is always going to have his his critics um, for his perceived style of play. And I've always maintained that I think Newcastle have a bit too much to be in a struggle. I mean, when it's bad for Newcastle, it's bad. Mm. Uh, (laughs) They can offer up some really dismal performances. West Ham, I thought they were good. I thought they were good in the first half, especially second half. They sort of dwindled a bit. I didn't think they offered anything against Aston Villa. I think Aston Villa were clear winners
1: in in that game. You spoke highly about Danny Ings, and I believe he ties into your goal of the week. He is.
0: He is my goal of the week. I just think, I just love seeing those sort of goals, the sort of acrobatic nature of them, just to get up there and generate that much power. Um, I just think it's a, a class, class finish. And I think if teams like City, Liverpool, scoring those type of goals, United, people wouldn't shut up about it. I
1: think
0: it's a, it's a fantastic goal and my goal of the week. I don't think you agree with me on that. I think you've gone for a different avenue with that one.
1: Listen, I, I love the acrobatic nature of Danny Ings. Credit to him. But for me, I can't look elsewhere other than Romelu Lukaku's. Goal for Chelsea. Okay, interesting. Um, on paper, the finish itself is a two-yard tapping after a ball across the box, but it's what Lukaku does in the build-up to the goal that really pinpoints how crucial he'll be for Chelsea and exactly what Chelsea have missed. The way he holds off Mary, holds the ball up and comes deep to win the ball, lays it off. He doesn't just stop there. He doesn't go. My job's done here. I've hold- I've held the ball up for you. I've given it to someone else to a Jorginho who can make things tick. He then spins Pablo Mary alert to the situation, shrugs him off to the point where he pushes Mary over as well. He's so strong, he knocks him to the floor yeah. and he's screaming for it in the centre. It's not so much the finish that gets my goal of the week, it's how influential to the move he was from the start. Brighton, with a 2-0 victory over Watford. We've already spoken about the impact that Bissouma had. Brighton looked good. We praised uh, Graham Potter last week for his substitutions. Thankfully, he wasn't reliant off the bench this week. Yeah. A good result for the Seagulls.
0: Yes, no, very good result for uh, Brighton. And uh, even before last week's episode, we were critical of Brighton, who were seemingly unable to take their chances. We're seeing sort of a much more clinical side. Mo Pace, now got two goals in two games. It's a good start for him. Cracking finish as well. Obviously, that goal's all about Bersouma's work to win the ball back. Great tenacity in the midfield and uh, a, a, a thumping finish into the back of the net. But yeah, I think Brighton looked comfortable and I don't know whether that says of uh, how good Brighton were or just how poor Watford were. Hmm. I thought Watford were really poor.
1: A real contrast to the win against Aston Villa on the opening day. Yeah,
0: and I think that's the most disappointing aspect of that performance. They didn't really offer anything at all.
1: They have now lost seven in a row away from home and they go to a Tottenham side on Sunday.
0: Yeah, well, spoke highly about Tottenham um, finding different ways to win uh, in spite of their performance. It's going to be a very tough afternoon for Watford next week.
1: And the final game that we're yet to cover, Crystal Palace, Patrick Vieira after the the defeat to Chelsea, gets his first point on the board, draw against Brentford, who themselves go go to eighth in the table with four points. A great start for them, but for Palace, good to get off the mark.
0: We've spoken about this new transitional period they are going through, and I think it was a good opportunity to kind of showcase what they are on about against Brentford. Home fixture, newly promoted side, perfect opportunity to go out there, and and, and strut. I just felt they were underwhelming. A bit like Watford. I think they were underwhelming. Didn't offer much. I think Brentford were probably the better team. It's a very slow start for Patrick Vieira. Of course, you take their cup game into account actually lost to Watford in midweek. So it's a very, very slow start of a Patrick Vieira, which we kinda of, I don't think is a surprise, but I think things need to pick up quickly before fans become impatient.
1: And the fans need to be patient, but of the course. desire to succeed at Crystal Palace is there. They want to improve a Crystal Palace side who will be desperate for for those three points and that first goal before the international break and they mm-hmm. travel to a West Ham side.
0: Well, no, West Ham are in very good Fettle. Crystal Palace, not so. And you say it, but Crystal Palace fans need to be patient. Of course they do. But they also need something to shout about and be excited mm-hmm. with. And I think in the first three games of their season, they've not seen that at the moment. So things need to pick up.
1: And in contrast to Brentford, four points unbeaten so far. It's now the eighth clean sheet in their last 10 games, yet to concede in the Premier League. Life doesn't get much better for Thomas Frank.
0: It's very, very good extremely well drilled in their first two games. They're a side who love playing for the manager. A real feel-good atmosphere surrounding Brentford at the moment. It's a positive start to the season.
1: Game week three in the Premier League promises to offer up some real crackers this weekend and none other than Manchester City versus Arsenal. Manchester City unbeaten in the last 11 league meetings and they've kept six clean sheets in the last seven games against them. You look at this Manchester City side and think... If Arsenal show the same frailties that they did versus Chelsea, they are really going to hurt them. You run the risk now of if Arteta sets up poorly, then Manchester City can run away with this and exploit Arsenal just like Chelsea did last weekend. For Arsenal, they'll be full of confidence after the midweek thrashing of West Brom in the Carabao Cup, but their league form has suggested that they're not quite up to the standard yet, and this is a big ask for them to get a result at Manchester City. I feel an international break and a restart against Norwich in September is just what Arteta's going to need. Are you of a similar viewpoint? How do you see it going?
0: Yeah, it has that sort of idea of going against the stats and a shock result. I just can't see anything other than a City win.
1: Newcastle versus Southampton. Southampton have lost four of the last five against Newcastle. Is this going to be Newcastle's first victory of the season? Or is Southampton going to get theirs? It's a tough one to
0: call. I might have to say score or draw. I can't see either team winning. I can see there being goals. And I just think that neither team have enough to win that game.
1: Oh, you love sitting on the fence. Uh, <laughs> Newcastle for me. We've spoken highly about Brighton. They entertain the entertaining Everton side. Uh, Graham Potter, three out of three. No,
0: I'm going to go Everton on that one.
1: Ooh. I think Everton's away form is going to speak for itself. Um, Conceded seven in their last two Premier League away matches. Um, I'm going to put myself on the line and say I fancy Brighton to make it three out of three there. West Ham Palace, um, your boys to make it three from three.
0: The team cohesion and the chemistry is fantastic. I guess that's the benefit of having such a small, tight squad as they have. Uh, Palace, things don't pick up soon. There could be a bit of questions asked.
1: I uh, fancy Palace to score. Okay. You've always got a chance against this West Ham defence. If West Ham do follow through with your prediction and mine, I fancy them to win too. Um, they will have won three out of three in the season for the first time since 1984. Wow. Uh, Norwich versus Leicester. Uh,
0: sorry, Norwich fans, I'm going to have to go Leicester.
1: Yeah, Norwich lost their last 12 games. They've scored once in that process and conceded 32 times. Um, I do, I do think Norwich can... If they can produce what they did against Liverpool, mm-hmm. I think Leicester are a poorer side in comparison. If they can produce the same intensity that they did in the first 15 20 minutes on their in day, mm-hmm. I do fancy them making it difficult for a shaky Leicester side, but Brendan Rodgers will be desperate for them to bounce back. Of course, yeah. I'm going to put myself on the line and say Norwich. Oh, why interesting. not? Why not? Villa Brentford. Uh Villa. Okay. Brentford will concede their first goal of the season for you.
0: Yes. It could be a tight 1-0. I think Brentford will do well to keep it tight and frustrate Villa. But again, I think it's a case of quality and I think Villa have that.
1: I think on paper, it's my game of the weekend. You've got a Villa team that have scored two or more in their last five Mm -hmm. against the Brentford side yet to concede so far this season. It has everything written for this to be the best defence versus one of the best attacks. Yeah. So if it finishes 0-0, I'm I'm so so sorry. Um, That Saturday night game is Liverpool versus Chelsea. Liverpool with a very good record against Chelsea. Both have had identical starts of the season. 3-0 opening wins followed by 2-0. Interesting to see early on just how evenly matched these two sides are. I fancy Chelsea. I do as well. You fancy it too? I think
0: Chelsea are just playing in a certain way at the moment where it's just impossible to defend
1: against. We've spoken of Burnley's torrid home record at the moment. (laughs) They entertain a lead side. Burnley going to get their first result of the season, or is this going to be a Bielsa masterclass? Nah, it's Leeds for me. Yeah, Am I finally going to have to spend next week praising Leeds? I mean, if my prediction is correct, then yes. Uh, score draw for me. I think Burnley have got something about them to attack this Leeds side. I think there's always a good time to play Leeds. I think the openness of the Bielsa tactics could work in Burnley's favour. But if Sean Dyche gets the game management wrong, this is going to be the occasion where Bielsa gets it right. Two more to cover. Watford's torrid away record as they travel to the informed Tottenham. Tottenham. Watford's tough record speaks for itself. Harry Kane to start and score for me.
0: Yeah, I think he needs to score quickly, sort of get the fans who've gone against him back on his side
1: final game of the weekend manchester united looking to make it a record 28 games unbeaten on the road they travel to a wolf side who are stuttering in their start of the season
0: you know i think it'll be a tough game but united have got some momentum and they're playing some really good football at the moment and i think they will carry on at monolu so thank you all once again for tuning in it's been a pleasure as always thank you to those especially who have got in touch with some really great suggestions uh drop bench start as well of course Please give in your suggestions for that as well. And we'll see you next time.